The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube was cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 or above level. I Rebel, Dan Wagner, Kirsten Cardinal, Jed Winters, Christopher Valenz, Joey Sirico, and Resident Evil Collector. The GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Welcome back from your deep woods hiking trip. How did that go? You and a bunch of your friends were in Algonquin Park here in Ontario doing some portaging or portaging, as we like to say. How did that go? You arrived at the cottage this week. You were super burned. You look kind of tired too and in much need of a shower. Did you have fun? I did have fun uh, and I did have a shower when I got back. That was a beautiful shower. One of the best I've ever had. Top five, I would say. Uh, and and yeah, I the canoeing part of it was a little tough. I got to say, I use muscles that I don't think I've ever used in my life. Uh, never canoed for five hours straight. So that was interesting. But uh, while we were there, we saw a lot of great wildlife. We saw a massive snapping turtle uh, in the water who actually tried to come out on land. We uh, nicknamed him Domer. And apparently Domer is the nickname of a mascot for the Sky Dome. For the Blue Jays. Yeah. Did you know that? I did. My dad worked for the Rogers Center for a little bit. It was Sky Dome. He worked for the Jays, actually. He was a part of the grounds crew. So he knows a lot of like random little trivia facts like that. He knows Domer personally. He, he knows Domer. We have the suit. How much do you think that suit is worth if it still exists? <laughs> you know what? I think it's all about whoever's willing to pay money for it. Yeah. So it can go from $10 to thousands. Yeah, we've obviously since then switched over to a Blue Jay mascot, which makes a ton of sense. There aren't too many instances where the stadium has a mascot. No. Or the building. Uh, I would like Grimace to be the mascot for for the Sky Dome because I don't know if you remember Neil, but McDonald's used to be at the Sky Dome and they sold McHot dogs there, and that is the only or one of the only places in North America that ever sold McHot dogs. Yeah, I can't think of a time when were those ever available in like regular chain McDonald's or were they just at hot at uh, baseball stadiums? I think just at very particular places like the Sky Dome, but uh, yeah, that uh, they also had McPizza. I think if you remember okay. McPizza, I remember McPizza. That was yeah. sold in actual McDonald's chains, and you could buy that for lunch. That was actually a really good pizza. Yeah. It went uh, went under in the '90s. They stopped carrying it. They started carrying it just as soon as they started carrying it, which was interesting. <laughs> but uh, no, I never had a Mick hot dog before. That was a bit before my time, I think. And speaking of food, on that camping trip, we I did poll the eight people I was with and asked them our spoon versus fork dilemma mm. that we had a couple episodes ago yes. where we had a great Patreon topic uh, about what foods you would eat with a spoon or a fork. We mostly went fork. But Neil, I just like to uh, kind of go through a couple of these that were some interesting ones. Sure. Yeah, go for it. Now, almost all of them were a unanimous fork decision, which was nice to see. Uh, that stuff like eggs, stuffing, tortellini, mac and cheese. But we did get a couple of close ones. We got corn, uh, which was an actual tie between it was 4v4 wow. on corn. 
Okay. Which I know is probably going to make you a little upset. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like spoon. I don't like spoons with corn. That doesn't make sense to me. That's too many corn niblets. I don't want to have a mouthful of corn niblets. You know, I just need a few because they're very overpowering. You need to chew them because you know what happens when you don't eat, like when you don't chew corn, what happens a few days later. It's a bit of a, a, a weird situation. So you got to <laughs> chew it up a little bit. I don't need to shovel corn, you know? And mashed potatoes was also a, a pretty tough uh, tough one there. I believe it was six to two and a uh, friend of the show, Marty, uh, was at the camping trip. He was the one who reminded me of Domer existing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he uh, was adamant that I write down that he ate mashed potatoes with a spoon. Well, he, I'm glad you wrote it down. That's fu- I get. I mean, see, my question is, how liquidy are your mashed potatoes? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Because who my made mashed, your mashed potatoes? Who's making your mashed potatoes? Sometimes they do come out a little on the soft side, so maybe you do need a spoon to get everything. And like mashed potatoes, sometimes also have gravy in them, which adds to the liquidity, to the viscosity, or it takes away the viscosity of the uh, the mashed potato. So I don't know how science works. If it takes away viscosity or adds it, I'm just speaking out of my ass there. But maybe you do need a spoon at that point. But my, my mom's mashed potatoes are quite thick. So you're fine with a fork. You can definitely get by, I would say. And there was one that was actually full spoon, and that was baked beans was a unanimous spoon. Because you said baked beans with a spoon, so... I know. I'm glad I'm validated on that one. <laughs> You're validated. I can, I can understand baked beans. That was one of the gray area ones. Tortellini is an easy fork answer. Yeah. yeah. Very upset with uh, anyone who eats tortellini with a spoon. I'm sorry if you're out there and listening, but I, uh, that makes me angry inside. We're, listen- we're losing listeners, but I- I'm okay losing a tortellini <laughs> with a spoon uh, listener, if that's all right. <laughs> Great Patreon topic that we had there, Mike, a few weeks ago. And we have another great Patreon topic today. Listeners, remember, if you support us at the $5 or above Patreon level, you'll get your name read in the credits at the beginning of the episode and the option to submit an opening topic, just like iRebel did. Mike, iRebel says, you guys agree too much. I agree with that. I agree too. Yeah. Let's have a friendly debate. Who is the best live action Batman and Superman and why? And we both can't pick the same answers. So we have to debate Batman v. Superman, literally, between the actors, though. So let's line up all the Batman actors here. You got Michael Keaton, Christian Bale, George Clooney, of course, Ben Affleck, uh, Val Kilmer. And then Superman, we have... Uh, Adam, well, you forgot Adam West, please. Adam West, sorry. Adam West from the 60s show was, was phenomenal. And then we have Superman. Uh, we have Christopher Reeve. Um, Henry Cavill. Uh, Brandon Ruth, Tom Welling from Smallville, which technically counts, I guess, and George Reeves, who was the original, uh, and Christopher Reeve. I think he, did you already say Christopher Reeve? I think I said Christopher Reeve already. (laughs) I also want to throw in Bruce Willis because the M. Night Shyamalan film, Unbreakable? Yeah, he's technically Superman in that movie. Yeah, that he's basically Superman. So just for fun, let's throw Bruce Willis into that. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Willis, my favorite Superman actor. Well, I guess I guess if we want to individually debate between even just the Batman and Superman actors themselves, for me, my favorite Batman, uh, I think, is probably Christian Bale. That's an easy one because, I mean, like there were three Christian Bale movies. They were all really good, like huge box office numbers. We saw a few of them in theaters together. So there might be a little bit of rose-tinted glasses uh, to that to that answer, Mike. I love Michael Keaton as Batman. Michael Keaton in general, anytime he's in a movie, my eyes light up. Like that's the only way I can get my dad to see a movie as well. Like if Michael Keaton's in it, he's down. So I love Michael Keaton as, as Bruce Wayne and Batman. Just an iconic film like the 1989 Batman. So what, what, makes, what makes Christian Bale the better Bruce Wayne to you? I think for me – He's more of a – he almost takes a backseat to the rest of the Batman like franchise, the villains, the other characters in there, which I think you kind of need to do as Batman. Uh, for Michael Keaton uh, movies, Batman and Batman Returns, uh, both of them, it's very much like Michael Keaton is the star, is the center of everything, and those movies are really good. 
Uh, but I, I enjoy the Dark Knight movies more because Christian Bale takes a more of a backseat to things and kind of knows his place as Batman. And I, and I do like his portrayal. I, I, I think it's very genuine. Uh, the fact that he is a Welsh actor and and has is able to kind of keep his accent the entire time uh yeah. does a, a pretty gritty take obviously he has the the bat the batman voice which is you know a little too much little i think i think much. the voice took it i took it away from me too much i like how when michael keaton is batman he doesn't really mask his voice at all no <laughs> which is awesome like i don't know there's just something about michael keaton as batman was really cool i do appreciate that christian bale was like in really good shape to be bruce wayne and batman i like my Bruce Wayne and Batman to be a bit bulkier. Like that's why I actually liked Ben Affleck. The idea of Ben Affleck being Bruce Wayne because he had the physicality of being Batman. Uh, he just didn't have anything else, uh, which was too bad. But I don't know. Something about the 1989 Michael Keaton Batman just just does it for me. What about Superman though? Who would be your favorite Superman actor if you had to pick one? For me, I think I gotta go Christopher Reeve. Okay. Uh, just because that's the original. I remember watching Superman one and two when I was a kid. My uncle was a big Superman fan. Uh, and we watched uh, uh, we watched both of those movies quite a bit. I especially remember Marlon Brando as Jor El, uh, okay. uh, Superman's dad. Yeah. Uh, and Marlon Brando was paid like fourteen million dollars for like like ten minutes <laughs> on wow. screen. He also couldn't remember the the lines, and so he <laughs> had to have all the uh the like most of the script on the wall of the fortress of solitude wow that's <laughs> hilarious 14 million dollars in the 80s those movies came out yeah. that's a lot of money in the 80s yes. and american dollars too yeah that is wild i don't think i've seen the christopher reeve superman films unfortunately and of course much respect to christopher reeve obviously he had a terrible accident which took away most of his mobility uh later on after he did superman which is a shame I do really like Henry Cavill as Superman. As much as I didn't love Man of Steel, the Justice League, or the Batman... I don't like the movies he was in, which is too bad, but I liked Henry Cavill as Superman. He looks like a live-action Superman. Henry Cavill is like a great character portrayal because he just looks like a comic book character. Like he has he, the biggest jaw I've ever seen in my life. He's in amazing shape. Like he's jacked and like he can play. He's great in The Witcher. Like I at least liked him in The Witcher. And as Superman, I haven't seen him in many other things. I know that he was in Mission Impossible randomly. Man from Uncle. Man from Uncle. He was in, what was that show? The Immortals or something? That sounds right. One of his earlier movies when he was in his 20s or 30s. But just in incredible shape. You can tell he really loves the role. He's a nerd as well, which kind of makes it, like, for a lot of nerds like us, like, you know, you don't think you're ever going to be Superman, but it's kind of cool when one of us can kind of cross that line and become a character that we've grown up with, you know? You know, it's funny because I actually don't, you know, I don't agree. I think Henry Cavill is a horrible actor. I don't I don't like his acting at all. I think he looks like Superman. Yeah. But for me, at least Christopher Reeve was a good actor. But Superman is always a, a hit and miss. Also, Superman actors, there's a Superman curse of mm. something always bad happening to them. George Reeves um, uh, committed suicide. Uh, Christopher Reeve, obviously, with his accident. Brandon Ruth, who played Superman in Superman Returns, no longer has a career. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> there is a bit of a curse there. That's true. That's true. Henry Cavill's still doing okay, though. So Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Henry Cavill's still doing okay. We look forward to seeing some more live-action Batman and Superman films in the future. But, Irabelle, thank you so much for writing in with that topic. And listeners, remember, if you support us on Patreon, to submit yours. And we will read them at the beginning of one of our episodes. Mike, today it's going to be a little bit different. We're not covering any GameCube games. We're going to be jumping back to our side mission format. So let's get started. 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the GameCube was Cool podcast. This is our side mission, part five segment. We have new episodes every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We're the number one GameCube podcast on the internet, and we're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12, sometimes none at all. So far, we have covered 314 games. You can visit thegamecubewascool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. Um, actually, Webflow, but you know, I, I did it on Webflow. Oh. Last week, we covered Spyro the Dragon to celebrate his 23rd birthday. This week, we're making our very own list of GameCube classic games uh, that we think if Nintendo ever put out a mini GameCube console, sort of like what they did with the NES and the SNES, uh, they should do that. And, of course, they should stick to their format of uh, putting it out with very short controller cables and uh, having no online functionality. Yeah, and uh, also uh, making sure that they don't print enough copies so that no one can actually get them. Yeah, only make about 100 of these things. Make them impossible to pre-order. Send every EB Games and GameStop one for people to walk off the street and buy. Listeners, if you don't remember, you're new to video games for any reason. Uh, Nintendo put out these little NES and SNES classic consoles in, I think it was 2016 and 2018, uh, it, it was preloaded with uh, between 23 and 30 games each, depending on where you lived. Uh, Japan and North America each had different lists of games. A lot of Nintendo fans out there thought that Nintendo was going to continue this line, make an N64, a Game Boy, a Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, and eventually a GameCube, hopefully. Uh, so today, Mike and I, we're going to put our heads together. We've each come to the table with 15 games. We don't know what each person said, so we might actually have 15 of the exact same games. But we're going to combine our lists and see if we were to make our own GameCube classic, what would be on it. And uh, yeah, so we're going to have a good time there. Mike, before we get started, I want to ask you, if the mini GameCube classic came out, would it come with four controllers, two, or one? Hmm. Good question. I think it would probably have to come with two. Okay. Because that just feels weird. If it came with one, yeah, yeah. definitely want to come with four. There's no way they would ship it with four. No. So I think two is the answer. But I know because NES and SNES Classics, they both came with two controllers. Ye- yes, I think so. The SNES one definitely, definitely did, did because yeah. I have that one. I don't know about the NES. I think it only came – I think it came with two. Okay. Yeah. So it's interesting because a lot of the games or a few of the games on my list are actually decent four-player multiplayer games. So I like the idea of having four ports in it, but it only coming with two. Maybe they can sell the controllers separately. Yeah, yeah. And I made it a little difficult on myself where I chose – I tried to pick one game per franchise, so to speak, like one game per IP if I could. I kind of broke that a little bit with Mario because that's difficult. And I'm also trying to go with one game per genre. I didn't ask you to go by those rules, but just to make it a little difficult on myself, because otherwise I'm just going to pick the 15 best GameCube games. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I try, I try to just pick some some ones that you wouldn't expect, but also ones that I think definitely should be on there. Okay. And uh, listeners, if you haven't listened to one of our side mission episodes, these are typically shorter in length. We're probably only going to be about a half an hour to 45 minutes with this episode. So uh, it's not we're not going to go super in-depth with the games. If you want to listen to our talk about the game specifically, go back and check out our episodes. So with that, Mike, did you want to read your 15 games first, or shall I go first? Yeah, I'll, I'll do my 15 first here. Okay, go for it. Starting off, you got to do Wind Waker. Got to hit that hard. Love okay. Wind Waker. It's, as we said, one of the best games. We talked about it in length in our Wind Waker episode, which was actually two episodes. That's how much we love that game. Mm-hmm. And it just it, they and they haven't made the uh, Switch HD version for it, so just bring it to GameCube Mini, uh, GameCube Classic, whatever we're calling it. Yeah, GameCube Classic, I think is probably good. I have a question about the Wind Waker though. Is it going to be the GameCube version or the Wii U version? <sighs> See, that's 
that is a good question. I would say it would have to be the GameCube version okay. of it, but uh, they can, you know, they could do a, a quick up res for textures and and stuff like that, kind of like they did with the the Super Mario. 3D collection. Okay. Um, I think that's kind of where it's at. Because the Super Mario 3D collection is the GameCube game, or like the N64, the GameCube, and Wii games. Mm -hmm. And really all they did was uh, up-res those textures just a tad. Mm -hmm. And I believe the N64, Mario 64, was that Japanese-only version uh, that they had. So they they used that one instead. So I I feel like they'll do the same thing with Wind Waker. And I think, honestly, all these games. I think with all these games, that's another rule we should probably put in place, where it is the original game with maybe some slight graphical upgrades. Okay, Wind Waker's a great choice. What's your number two? Hit and Run. Gotta be Simpsons Hit and Run. One of the best games. Uh, A game that actually has been in the news a little bit recently. There's been quite a lot of chatter about wanting this game remastered. You know, I think it it, it would be amazing if we could have this because we're not going to get a new Simpsons game or, or something that, that would go on a Switch or, or, or another console. The only like, chance here is to get a redone hit and run. And the director of the original game has multiple times said that he would love to, have, to do this again. That would be amazing. I would love to see something like that come back to hardware because it's been a long time since we had a really good simpsons or since we had a simpsons game at all yeah since 2007 since a, a, an actual simpsons a mainline simpsons game the, and it was called the simpsons game which that's came right out. yeah I'd, i would much rather see simpsons hit and run uh on on a new console and this isn't even a new console so it'd just be the, <laughs> the old game just maybe you don't even have to do much with the graphics on that one because it is cell shaded it's also an expensive game yeah too so it's uh, i think that's what i'm trying to get at for a couple of these games is get a couple of these expensive really expensive games on where you really can't play them or find them so right. just throw them on this gamecube classic and cool what's your number three another licensed game here ultimate spider-man which i talk about at length in our episodes because i love this game it is a great study and cell shading and how to do cell shading right especially for a comic book game and this one, same thing. This one could just be easily up You're basically there already. It looks great on the GameCube as it is today. I think putting it on a GameCube Classic is a no-brainer. I know Spider-Man 2 would probably be the one, but I think actually your licensing for Ultimate Spider-Man would, would be quite a bit easier because it is an, a standalone, not tied to any movie right. uh, or anything like that. Yeah, you don't have those actors' likenesses and voices, so that is probably the easier choice, definitely. We talked a lot about Ultimate Spider-Man in our Spider-Man episode, so if you haven't checked that episode out, go back and check it out. Mike and I both love that game. So that's an excellent choice, really good campaign, love it. Uh, what's your number four? Mario Power Tennis, my favorite of the Mario sports. I tried to only pick one because it's so easy to pick all of them. Sure. They are all really good. Uh, I just love Mario Power Tennis. It's such a good tennis game. Mm-hmm. And there aren't really, there was only one other tennis game on the GameCube, that WTA Tour, uh, which didn't really have licensing at all uh, and is not a very good game. And Mario Power Tennis is yeah, just a fantastic game and easy to play today. I think that's another thing I tried to think of when I did this list was games that you can easily play today and that you would have fun playing today. Power Tennis is a fantastic choice. They've done a few Mario Tennis games since the GameCube generation, but none of them have been as good. Like Mario Tennis Aces was pretty good. There's just something about the GameCube sports generation with Mario games, man. I don't know what it is that they just, they were lightning in a bottle in, the, in those like three years that they put like four sports games out. Great choice. Number five is Lights, Camera, Pants, the Spongebob party game. Love it. That's a great one that no one talks about, but is such a fun game. 
And I know you're going to have a couple of these four player ones on yours. And that's a great four player one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got, got great mini games. It's, it's yeah, very much like a Mario party uh, style. And I had to have at least one SpongeBob game on here. Yeah. There's so many SpongeBob games from the GameCube era. And that is such a good one. Like, I think we played that game more than Mario party. I on, think so. On GameCube. Yeah. Terrific choice. One of those games, probably the first game here on your list where you really want four controllers too. Yeah, that's true. Sweet. Another good four controller game, NHL Hits. And I would be, I would love to have like an NHL Hits 0203 little collection there. Okay. They are basically the same game. So you could easily just have them both almost like a Tony Hawk Pro Skater style uh, and how they did it for their remake uh, on uh, the consoles a couple years ago, I guess last year. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I love the Hits games. It would be tough to do because it's Midway and uh, Midway doesn't exist anymore. But, you know, <laughs> I can dream. This, That's okay. this is my dream list. Hey, man, the, the license to those games must belong to somebody. Someone, I don't know who acquired them, but they're out there. I love your list so far because it's a lot of licensed games and, like, no Nintendo games so far. So that, that's really cool. I'm going to keep that going with the James Bond collection. Now, Neil, I am cheating a bit here. A little bit. Yeah, because uh, I, obviously I want to say Nightfire because that's our favorite. Sure. But I would love to see Nightfire, Agent Under Fire, and Everything or Nothing, which all came out within basically a three-year span. Mm-hmm. Uh, all v- similar games, Nightfire being the the objectively superior one of the three. Mm-hmm. But the other two, I, I, I don't think many people have ever played. No. And it'd be a good chance to kind of be able to play them together. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, same thing as the Tony Hawk games, where you have the three that you choose from when you start up, just like the Mario, Super Mario 3D collection. I think that would be pretty awesome to have those in there. Cool. Yeah, a three James Bond hit would be really cool. You are cheating quite a bit by adding three <laughs> games there, but I'll allow it. And you're right. From Russia with Love would be tough because of just the licensing for it because it's a movie. It's the only one based on the movie. Yes. And then GoldenEye Rogue Agent is just a bad game, so we're going to keep it out. Yep. So I love having those three games in a collection. Neil, I'm going to cheat again. I know. I'm sorry. And this one is Thug Pro on the GameCube Classic. And now we talked about... Tony Hawk's Underground, which is what Thug stands for, uh, at length on our Tony Hawk episode. And at the end of that episode, we talked about how there's a massive community who has created a Thug Pro, which is Tony Hawk Underground 1 and 2, all the maps, all the levels, and it also includes some of the stuff from the Pro Skater uh, games as well. Sweet. And, you know, this is, I, I have heard rumors that this could happen, that we're, where they actually are going to make a Tony Hawk Underground Pro. So if everything lines up well and then that comes out, then they can put that on the GameCube Classic. God, if something like that came out and it's stranded on the GameCube Classic, (laughs) I would be so annoyed with everything. I think I'd have to give up like games at that point if that's the only way to play it it would be like the star fox 2 of the snes which that's the only way you can play it is on the snes mini this is the only way you can play thug pro this is the only way you can play thug pro but let's move into some non-licensed games uh here starting at number nine now i have cubivore which i feel needs to be on this list because cubivore is a game that is well it is the most expensive game we've talked about so far going ranging from 500 to 700 sometimes almost a thousand dollars to buy this game to just play it and no one wants to do that no. why would i ever want to do this no game is worth that much money <laughs> no game is worth that much money and so i think that and it is a nintendo developed and published well it wasn't published but a nintendo developed product so i think that would just make sense to for them to put it on the GameCube, you could think of things like Chibi Robo as well that could go on there because those are Nintendo products and IPs. But Cubivore is an IP that died 
on the GameCube, and I think would be nice to just remember it a little bit on the GameCube Classic. It's a great choice. It's a great choice, and so many GameCube collectors are after that game, and it's the only way you could play it. I would love to see Cube of War come back, just as it was. We don't need a sequel. Please, no sequels. Very weird, weird game on the GameCube. So yeah, it would be a neat thing to have on the GameCube Classic, just a little snapshot of history. Yeah, Cubivore, the, I think it's called like something Evolution is like the subtitle. It's a weird game. I don't remember the subtitle. It's been so long since we covered that one. That was episode 13. Episode 13, yeah, yeah when geez. we talked about games that were supposed to be for the N64. Yeah. It was, we talked about Star Fox Adventures. We talked about Eternal Darkness yep. and then Cubivore. Uh, yeah, that was actually a really good episode great episode check that out if you haven't already and number 10 is melee i don't really need to say too much about super smash bros melee because everything that has been said about it has already been said of course you need a super smash bros game on the gamecube classic Mm -hmm. the only thing is it would be interesting to see what happens with that because melee is so good and so played today because of the glitches and because it is inherently broken sure so what happens when you put that on the gamecube classic i cannot predict that well hopefully they don't fix the problems I, I don't know, Neil. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, I don't want to think about it. I'm getting anxiety just thinking about that. Melee, great choice. There's already been said. We've covered it. We talk about it fairly regularly on this uh, podcast as well. Mike, what's your next game? Number 11 is Battalion Wars, which is another Nintendo product that no one talks about. We are getting it back a little bit with Advance Wars yes. uh, on the Switch. And I think Battalion Wars would do well on a GameCube Classic to see it again. Uh, it's a game... That is relatively inexpensive. You can buy it today for a Nintendo IP on the GameCube, but it it's a good game, and I I just you don't see too many good um, RTS game. It's an RTS, right? What is it? Yeah, it's not turn based or anything. It's not Advanced Wars. It is like the console version of Advanced Wars, which is a turn based RPG on like a grid based RPG on the GBA and the DS, which is getting like what Mike said the uh, the remake in December of this year, if I remember correctly. And yeah, Battalion Wars on GameCube and there's also a sequel on Wii are both really fun games that have been all but forgotten for the last 15 years now, I think. So yeah, this would be cool to bring it back. I hope they do a Battalion Wars collection after they do Advanced Wars, but uh, we'll have to find out later. We'll have to find out later. And another game that I want to talk about, which is another Nintendo property that is also neglected. A lot of neglected Nintendo properties sure. on my list. Oh, yeah. Um, it's Bait and Kados, or Bait ba- and Kados. I never know how to properly say it. Either one. Uh, I don't know which one the better one is, because we haven't covered that game yet, uh, Neil. So whatever one the listeners think should be on there, that'll be the game. I think the first one makes the most sense, at least. I mean, I don't know if you're going to cheat and do a collection again, but... Uh... I could. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe just the first one would be fine. Because I mean, it would be weird if they put Bait and Kados 2 and then not one, because like these days, no one's played them because there's no sequels since then. And but they are quite revered in the community, in the RPG community. Yeah. Uh, it is apparently the longest game on GameCube, or at least one of the longest games. Uh, it's always reviewed very well. I always see it in the top ten. Uh, and and it's yeah. a card battling RPG too, right? I think you, you use cards in the game, which is neat that you don't see that too often, especially on console. So great choice. Number 13, lucky number 13 is Double Dash, Mario Kart Double Dash. Again, nothing more needs to be said about that. It's our favorite Mario Kart game here. We think it's great. We think it needs to come back in a big way. We haven't seen any new Mario Karts recently, so Mario Kart Double Dash is my pick there. Very cool. We covered Double Dash just a few weeks ago, so enough said about that game. If you haven't checked out that episode, go and uh, listen to it. I love Double Dash. It's spoilers for that episode. It's our favorite Mario Kart game of all time. Now I'm going to throw you a bone here, Neil. Go way off course, and we're going to do Animaniacs, The Great Edgar Hunt. Okay, okay. Which is a amazing, amazingly done cell-shaded game. 
from the early 2000s, 2003 or 2004, one of those years. And it's a really good game, but the reason I put it on here is that it usually ranges from $200 to $250 to buy this game. Right. And you, I've never seen it anywhere. It's very hard to play. Even the ROMs of it are are not the same. It, it, it doesn't look as good. Uh, and so I think they, it could really use a nice up-res, like a small texture boost there okay. and to make it look like a fantastic game. Yeah, that would be a great choice. We covered Animaniacs just a couple months ago, so it's fresh in our minds still. It looked very interesting. I'm so sad it's so expensive because it's so weird when like licensed games based on cartoons are in the same vein of being like a go-go hyper grind or... Uh, or a, a cubivore. Like, I, it's so weird when you see Animaniacs in that conversation of expensive games. And Animaniacs are very popular amongst people our age and yeah. older. So that would be a really fun thing to have in there. I like that. And that's your 14th game, right, Mike? So what is your last game on your list? My last game on the list is uh, not somewhat cheating, but it's actually Dosh and the Giant. Oh, okay. And Dosh and the Giant only came out in Japan. And it is a game that is often revered there. It is a weird game for sure. Very strange. You play as this massive yellow blob figure. Yeah. It's basically a, a god game almost. Uh, you're going around um, and you're uh, changing the landscape a lot as Dawson the Giant. There's a lot of really intricate elements uh, that I don't have time to describe here. We described it a bit in our Strange Games episode where we covered games like Ribbit King in that one. And we talked about Dawson the Giant for for a, a hot second there but I, I would i would love to see it come on here because we literally could not play it in north right. america right i love how your gamecube classic here is a little bit has like the, the heavy hitters like you got wind waker and melee and then you have a few oddities in there too like dosh and the giant and cubivore so mm -hmm. and then the licensed games of course so it's a great mix i love it thank you thank you okay so i guess it's my turn now i'm gonna pass the ball over to me yep so my first game is pikmin one yep yeah, for you it's gotta. It's gotta, it's gotta be. be. I feel like I gotta say Pikmin One. It's my favorite game on the GameCube, up there with, with Wind Waker and other games that I'm going to talk about in a second. It's a f terrific RTS game. I know it's not the popular choice for most people. Everybody loves Pikmin Two, Three. No one loves Hey Pikmin. So, but I love Pikmin. I love the 30 day time limit. I love the day and night cycle. Everything about it. It's basic. So, gotta be there. My number two choice, not going to talk about it too long because it was on your list, is Wind Waker. My favorite Zelda game up to Breath of the Wild, so got to have it there. So that covers my RTS and action-adventure games so far. That's what I called Zelda. My racing game is F-Zero GX. Of course, yeah. I, I, for a second, I thought you might go for a Burnout 2. I was thinking Burnout 2, okay. maybe Auto Modelista. I thought about Auto Modelista, mm -hmm. not going to lie. But I've been playing F-Zero GX a lot the last few weeks while we get ready for our F-Zero episode, and it's so good, man. It's... It's like the peak of game of harnessing the GameCube technology, really. Like the graphics are superb, the gameplay is tight, the cutscenes are decent, the music is terrific. It's just like everything the GameCube should be, really, yeah. in a game. And it's such a weird partnership between Sega and Nintendo. And we also talked a lot about F-Zero GX in a previous episode, so listeners go back, check it out, where uh, I gush about it even more. So that covers my three games. Fourth game on my list is my first-person exploration game, because that's what Nintendo calls it, is Metroid Prime. Yep. <laughs> I, I, and yeah i mean i think you you gotta have prime on there i know i didn't put it on there but yeah metroid prime is uh it's been i mean they put it on the wii when they did the the trilogy and there's been rumors for about four years now that'll be on the switch in the, in the metroid prime trilogy i don't think you're ever going to see metroid prime again on a console if you do i will be shocked yeah. there's a chance depending on how far out metroid prime 4 is but 
Metroid Prime 1 is just so good. It's like F-Zero GX. It's just an experience on the GameCube and video games in general. If you're a gamer, you have to play Metroid Prime at some point. The controls these days do take some getting used to, which I hear people who've played it for the first time are saying, but I think you can easily get into it. My first-person shooter choice, though, is uh, game number five, which is Nightfire. Nightfire, of course. I know I cheated, and I, but I did have Nightfire on my list. <laughs> yeah, I picked a favorite child, Mike, so I'm going with Nightfire. <laughs> it's the game that you and I have bonded over for the longest time. Our Nightfire episode is out there, so listeners can go back and check out our Nightfire episode where we gush a lot about it for two hours, and honestly, we'll probably find a way to talk about Nightfire even more. I think we talk about it every single episode. Yeah, it's so good, and we play it still to this day. Moving on to my number six game is a farming sim, Animal Crossing. Oh, wow, Neil. That's interesting because you are not a sim guy and you nope. really haven't played Animal Crossing games. Not a lot. No, I played the one on 3DS a little bit mm-hmm. and I don't love it on GameCube. I'm not going to lie. This is one of probably the only game on my list where I don't actually like it. I just think it needs to be there because it is just it's the first game really that came to North America. It was huge. It's a big part of the GameCube's history. It has a great collection of NES games on there, so I'm kind of cheating where I'm also throwing a bunch of NES ports on. It's not cheating. It's it's in the game. <laughs> I'm cheating. I'm really only putting it Yeah, you're cheating. I'm really only putting it on there so I can get a few NES games out there. But Animal Crossing, terrific game. We've covered it as well already. My seventh game, I'm calling it an on-rails shooter because I don't have any of those yet, is Star Fox Assault. Ooh, yes, which I I am a big fan of Star Fox Assault. We haven't talked about it yet on the podcast. If you're listening to this many years in the future, we have talked about it. What did we say about it? I don't know. I don't know either. (laughs) It's been a while since I've played it. I am a huge Star Fox 64 fan. Assault was good. I'll give it a good rating from like what I remember. I'm looking forward to going back and playing it again. It's got everything you want from the old Star Fox game on N64. It adds take getting out of the ship, which was interesting. So it adds a few new things. Looks great on GameCube. Graphics look fine. Voice acting is good. And it's fun. So I think it would be a fun thing to have uh, on the GameCube Classic. What's your number eight, Neil? Number eight, we're going into the third-person shooter realm with Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil 4 is so good. It takes away the tank controls and the... The security camera angles, which I don't like, uh, and it brings it into really the 21st century of video games. Resident Evil 4 is not technically a survival horror game, but I guess it could be. We're going to talk more about it in October this year. We're covering Resident Evil 4, which is going to be a lot of fun. I've played this game maybe two times all the way through, and I go back and watch gameplay all the time. I'm waiting with bated breath for Capcom to announce a remake of Resident Evil 4. It's going to happen because, like, uh, for once, it actually is going to happen. But uh, we will talk about that later on uh, in the Resident Evil 4 episode. Yes, exactly. My number nine game is a shoot-em-up, Ikaruga. Ooh, yes. Very, very cool game, which has gotten ports uh, already, which is nice to see. Yeah, it's on Switch. It's very expensive. Like, I kind of dipped into your strategy here, where Ikaruga is a game above $100. It's really hard. So my, my GameCube Classic is a little difficult with F-Zero GX and Ikaruga, but I love the shoot-em-up genre and color changing. You you just have to get good. Like, that's the point of the game. Uh, going into number 10, I'm not going to talk too much about it, but my fighting game is Super Smash Bros. Melee. Never heard of it. Nope, never heard of it. Going straight to number 11, this is around where I'm starting to cheat now, where I'm throwing in Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. Now, this is technically my second Mario game, but Melee is not a Mario game. No, really, is not a Mario. That, that is not. Absolutely not. I, I guess. So my Mario game of choice is Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. Yeah. I think that's a terrific RPG. It's got so much charm, so much life. I love the Paper Mario series. Half of it, I suppose. GameCube is obviously where it peaked. Yeah. So got to have it on the mini console. Uh, my 12th game is another Mario game. It's Mario Strikers. So that's my soccer or football game, depending mm-hmm. on where you're from. 
my favorite Mario sports game and possibly one of my favorite sports games of all time. It's very fun, and I'm glad you're you're you are mostly sticking to this the strategy I did with games that are still fun to play today. Yeah, because that is a game that is amazing to play today. I, I I play it quite often when people come over. It's a great party game in that sense as well. Mm-hmm. It's because so much of it is just a to shoot or to a to pass, b to shoot, x to hit people. Yeah, yeah it's a three button <laughs> game with the joystick. It's a ton of fun. It's addicting. Like you want to just keep playing like yeah. a couple minute rounds. And it's really hard too if you want to play against the uh, the CPUs in the game. Playing it on extra hard, very hard, dude. It's insanely hard. So Mario Strikers is a game that everybody should try to pick up if they own a GameCube, and should definitely be on the GameCube Classic. My thirteenth choice is Tony Hawk Pro Skater Three. Ooh, yes. nice. So you didn't cheat? No, I, I I had to pick again. I picked a favorite child here, and Tony Hawk Pro Skater Three is my favorite Tony Hawk Pro Skater game. It's one of the first games I got on GameCube. Terrific soundtrack, great courses. Still holds up to this day, so I'd love to see it on a GameCube Mini. And I hope that uh, the Tony Hawk remakes continue on and keep remaking the old games because Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 would be great to have on current-gen hardware. So I want to ask you then, why did you pick 3 instead of Underground? Where, you know, 3, there's a good chance it'll probably get remade already. Uh, it's always already at kind of that level. We've already had the remakes of 1 and 2, which are basically, you know, 3 and 4 as well. Underground being a very different game, why didn't you choose that one? I like the Tony Hawk Pro Skater formula more than I like Underground, to be honest. I don't love the story, like the story of parts of Tony Hawk games. I just like to pick a course, pick a time, and get as many points as I can in two minutes. Like, that's really what I like in Tony Hawk games. So if I had to rank my Tony Hawk games, we talked about this in the Tony Hawk episode, but I much prefer the Pro Skater games to the Thug games, but that's just me. My 14th game here is Godzilla Destroys All Monsters Melee. Now, I know I already had a fighting game on here, Mike, but this is a wrestling game, as I like to call it. Mm. We talk a lot about Godzilla Destroys All Monsters Melee. It's such a weird game. It's a licensed game by Atari. came out in, like, 2003. I played it one night at a friend's sleepover and absolutely adored it. It's just a destruction monster game where you fight against other Godzilla monsters, which at that time, I didn't know much about them. They threw in the, the Matthew Broderick Godzilla into the... Matthew Broderick, you could play as much. <laughs> Matthew Broderick, not in the game, but the Godzilla Destroys All Monsters is a terrific fighting game. My last game here is my 3D platformer. Listeners, you're probably thinking Mario Sunshine makes the most sense for a 3D platformer. I'm going to pivot and go with SpongeBob Battle for Bikini Bottom. Ooh, and which is funny because that did just get a remake. Yep, Neil. it did. And so on the GameCube Classic, are you putting the original? Yes. Yeah, okay. like we said, just the original game with uh, maybe slightly updated graphics, visuals for HD TVs. Mm-hmm. But no, it is the original game. Uh, I love SpongeBob Battle for Bikini Bottom. And not to say I don't love Sunshine, but... I just, I just thought Battle for Bikini Bottom is a more enjoyable experience. You can play as different characters. I, I love the gameplay. Like I love the combat. It's just a fun 3D platformer. It's a SpongeBob game, which we're really good in this generation. Yep. I was actually trying to pick between this one and the movie, but I thought Battle for Bikini Bottom would be just easier to bring over to uh, a classic console. And that's your list. That's my list. So that's our two lists combined. So uh, just to sum it up, we have Wind Waker, Hit and Run, Ultimate Spider-Man, Mario Power Tennis, SpongeBob Lights Camera Pants, NHL Hits Collection, James Bond Collection, Thug Pro Collection, Cubivore, Super Smash Bros. Melee, Battalion Wars, Batten Kaitos, Mario Kart Double Dash, Animaniacs, Doshin the Giant, Pikmin, F-Zero GX, Metroid Prime, Nightfire, again, technically. Animal Crossing, Star Fox Assault, Resident Evil 4, Ikaruga, Paper Mario Thousand Year Door, Mario Strikers, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3, Godzilla Destroys All Monsters, and SpongeBob Battle for Bikini Bottom. I like that list. That's a great list, Neil. I I personally do have a couple of honorable mentions that I just wanted to say. Okay. Uh, Burnout 2, 
Twilight Princess, love to have that, and Rogue Leader. Uh, nice for uh, the Star to have a Star Wars game on there would be my personal honorable mentions. Do you have any? Mario Sunshine comes to mind. Like I feel like we definitely left that one out, and that is a big game on everybody's list. I'm sure we missed a ton of other games that people are screaming at right yeah, now. Yeah, please write in the comments saying that you we missed uh, that we missed Finding Nemo on here. I know everyone <laughs> wanted to see that game come into the GameCube Classic. Yeah, there's no Mario parties either, but uh, I couldn't pick a Mario. Party. We have lights, camera, pants. We're good. That's true. We do have a party game in there, Mike. That was a lot of fun. I love talking about stuff like this just nintendo dreams of the future that will probably never happen <laughs> dreams that will be crushed crushed dreams indeed but why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect next week on the gamecube was cool podcast next week neil and i are still on vacation so we will be talking about another side mission side mission part six this one is all about box art for games specifically going into the gamecube library's box art and it's going to be a ton of fun to just talk about the history of video game box art as well as talking about the GameCubes um, uh, and how they were all very different depending on what country you lived in. Uh, and a lot of the games, had a, uh, there was a bunch of variations on these box arts uh, for different reasons. And I just love video game box art in general. I am a designer by trade, so uh, that really kind of grabs me when I see good box art. And we are going to even talk about, you know, when they used to have the the same font on the, all the games had the same font on the on the spine for just like a year or two, and then the the Nintendo gave that up real fast. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Box art. We come from a time when box art was the first thing we saw for a game, and that's what had to sell us on it. This was before you could watch a Twitch streamer play it. Before there was E three trailers all over mm -hmm. the place. So box art really had to be good, and it wasn't for a lot of games. So I'm really excited to talk about it. I think it's going to be kind of. It's going to be weird talking about it on a podcast where we can't show people the, what the games look like, but hopefully we can find a way to uh, to talk about it so well that you can picture the games in your mind. So really looking forward to talking about that. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to the GameCube Was Cool podcast, Side Mission Part 5. We have new episodes every Thursday on all the podcast services. Leave us ratings and reviews so we can make the show better. If you want to support the show, you can find us on Patreon. We are The GameCube Was Cool. We appreciate your support there. You can also follow us on Instagram. We are at The GameCube Pod. Share us with your friends and family. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box.